and it's another very good afternoon on this beautiful uh, spring day here in Melbourne as uh, we bring you another episode of Two Smoking Guns. Uh, I'm Scotty and as always joined by the maestro himself, the king, the king behind the panel, or as I now like to call him, the really nice Button man, the button man. <laughs> how, Scotty, are how are you, buddy? Good, Rutsy. How are you, buddy? I'm not bad, mate. Excellent. I'm, I must admit, though, yes. I'm a little bit. Well, I've overcome my disappointment yep. from Friday night. Yeah, uh, we all know what happened there. Yeah, correct. Um, Saints just weren't good enough to get over the line. But look, I'm, on reflection, we'll talk a little bit about it. But yep. um, I'm happy we made it that far. We know yes. we've got a lot of upside. That's it. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll talk about that a bit later. But outside of that... And at least we're not Collingwood. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Whoa, that Wouldn't was, that have been hard watching? It was a massacre. Uh, shall we... Um, you know what we should do? Commiserations we, to the Collingwood supporters. I don't know that they saw that coming. Um, but, yeah, footy. Uh, we have footy, racing. I want to talk to you about telly today. I've got yep. kids stuff. I've got significant moments. I've got... Oh, mate, we've got so much to talk about. It's fantastic. And as you said, it's a great day. It's a cracking day. It's an absolute belter. And there's uh, plenty of people out and about, and uh, they should make the most of it while they can, because I don't think the story's going to change too much uh, on the 19th, unfortunately. I don't know how much. He's only got one plan. That's plan A. That's lockdown plan. He hasn't got a plan B, this bike. Tell you what, there's somebody that's after him too. You're but, going to oh, about, I'm going to talk hey? about that today. The the circles closing in on him. You can just feel the hands going around the neck now, just applying light pressure yeah. at this stage. Where did the six minutes go? Oh, oh dear. So he's in trouble. Yeah, uh, hope yeah. which is which is about time. Um, and we got a song theme today. And it was going to be a song theme that was a little bit uh, pointed at a certain football team yeah. for their actions. Yes. But I decided to be the bigger man today. Yes, well done. I, I took well done. my ranting out on the socials on yep. Friday, put yep. it past me. Yep. And now I'm going to talk about the resurrection that was St Kilda's football season this right year, which is, which is a good news story. Yes. So we're going to have songs about... Resurrection, right now. Um, I, I did have. Uh, I, there's a. It's a, there's two parts to uh, to this. Yes. First part is that the uh, national anthem has gone back to the original one. Yes, yes. Yeah, it so. <laughs> uh, it's been passed through Parliament last night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the one that I really thought about, and I thought we might even kick off with this today, oh, just to open up proceedings. <laughs> on the, I was almost going to. You know, sometimes I sort of get a bit. Um, you know, um, melodramatic and. Uh, not even not melancholy, but um, you know, I'd like, like to pen some things every now and then, and I've shared a couple of pathetic poems with you across the journey. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, I, I, I was going to pen another one called um, you know, "Faceless Melbourne," yeah. but I reckon I've come up with a song that just encapsulates it even better. <laughs> so from the top, when you're ready to hit the button and kick this show off today, <laughs> right. you smash out this. Oh, 
face again. No way, get that mask off. <laughs> no way, get that mask off. Tram cars and taxis, Michael Waxworks on the move. Carry young girls past me, but none of them are you. Am I ever gonna see your face again? No way, get that mask off. <laughs> Now, I just thought yeah. that just sums it up for me. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Because I was walking this morning. I yep. did a long walk, as I want to do on a Sunday. Very good. And I didn't recognise half the people that were, I was walking past. I was nah. saying, g'day. Yeah. G'day, Rutsy. Yeah. I'm going, what? Yeah. Who? Because yeah. you can't. you only got eyes. <laughs> and if they've got sunnies <laughs> on, you've got no hope. You've got, and then a cap. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. Got absolutely not a hope. They, what you should have to do is actually write your name on your mask. <laughs> Hi, right. I'm Rutsy. Or put a photo. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Just, yeah, that's right. You just need another face on yeah. the top of the mask. Yeah. Uh, well, it's well, a very well, apt mate. song, Scotty. Yeah, well chosen. No, I just thought. Scotty's walked in today and he's gone, we're going to play that oh, because of the faceless, faceless society. Never, ever going to see your face again. Hey? No way get <laughs> not <Knotted. laughs> yes. I tell you what, isn't that one? That's one of the great chants in Australian oh, music, I, isn't it? I tell you what, I'll, I'll never forget. I, I sort of, I think I accidentally sort of had it uh, going one day and I, I had the kids. You forgot the kids were in the car. Oh, the ki- and the kids were quite young at the time. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm sort of getting, I've sort of forgotten that I've got the kids in the car and I've sort of cranked it up a bit and then only for it to be. Well, it's just, just the, it's the, memory trigger the, stuff. It's the perfect rendition. I deny song. anybody in Australia who's of a certain vintage oh, yeah. to not reply, do the chant back oh, you, on that well, song. You just have to. Mm. It's just, I mean, that's just part of it. would be un-Australian. It would be un-Australian. <laughs> now, I've got a couple of things for you today. You know, we talked about, we, we had this, uh, this grandiose idea, or at least I did last week, this grandiose idea that we might go and buy a greyhound, of which I got this beautiful text from home within about 30 seconds saying, it's not staying here. <laughs> <laughs> Repco uh, lad. Exactly. And um, Gayacubra. So, well, we were going to call it two smoking guns, yeah, Scotty, weren't be, we? Yeah, and we, you know, we might even set up a syndicate with our listeners. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> 50 cents each. <laughs> well, it's a little bit more because I've actually done my research. Oh, fantastic. So I've gone well, I look through forward to and hearing I'm going to step that. it all out for you as to what the investment is and what the time lag is. And, oh, brilliant. Um, I'm going to share all that with you. And then uh, we've got a bit of an interesting quiz today. There was one that sort of came into um, one of the weekend uh, sort of magazine parts of uh, the paper. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about... Um, if I said to you, Bill the Bastard... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Do you know who I'm talking about? Well, it could be anyone in, well, it's in actually Spring not, Street. it's actually not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Paris end of somewhere. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it's uh, not even a person. It's a horse. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and it goes back to the war days. Okay, So uh, there's a ripping good story about him. Uh, I still want to talk to you about it. I've threatened for weeks now to talk about the bloke that lived on top of buildings. Yeah, um, you must do that today. Family. I will do that today, I promise you. Now, Your short-term memory loss is of great concern uh, to me, Scotland. I tell you what. Well, I've got it here. It's just that we end up with so much I know, other... we do ramble a bit, we, don't we've we? We've got a bit on. And, you think, uh, do you think we need more structure in this show? Oh, no. <laughs> 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 it'd, ne- it'd never work. <laughs> 
um, structure and us just don't go together. No, That's we his, don't. Uh, no, you're right. If we start putting structure in, goodness me, or we'll spend our life looking at the clock and we'll trip over ourselves. So the only way this works is just take the handbrake off and go downhill. Yeah, fast. <laughs> fast. <laughs> um, now, my, I've got a little dance around piece today. Oh, yes. Um, uh, two, two words, George Pell. Oh, should so, we get the lawyers? Uh, no, it's okay. Do we need Sir Barrington uh, Tuffington uh, Smart the Third to uh, uh, advise us on this one? Hyphen, uh, hyphy for short. Hyphy. Uh, um, no, but there's a there's really a very genuine backstory to um, uh, Mr. Pell mm. in terms of uh, the theorists now as to what's going on and uh, and the reason why he was summoned back to the Vatican. Because um, how did he manage to get back well, there, Scotty? Mm. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Uh, Eddie McGuire, the Pope. Rules um, for some, <laughs> rules for others. Hey, don't worry. I read about another lady during the week who was very influential. Apparently, what, um, she, what is she an Instagram influencer? No, but she no, she she uh, she was the founder of that. That piece escapes me. Uh, other than she got exemption because her husband is going through chemotherapy. No, oh, well, that's that's sort of okay. You know. That's fine. But what about the poor bloke? Did you just have seen yeah, the bloke oh, through yeah, the yeah, week? Yeah, I did. Terminal cancer. Disgusting. And uh, sorry, mate, you got to go and stay in a hotel and Disgusting. quarantine fourteen days. So Can we just double, exhibit some level standards. of um, com- empathy and compassion? Well, just make the rules consistent for everybody. Agree. Um, uh, Elon Musk is going to build something that's going to uh, travel at 12,000 kilometres an hour. I'm going to share that I'm happy you. to talk more about that because I've investigated electric cars. Ah, have week. you had a look? I've had a good look. Yeah, good. Um, so, and then I found a piece, and I'm going to have to go back and find it again now. Oh, I'm going to talk to you about Red Lid the Cat. Yeah, you so threatened I'm, to do I'm that last week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I threatened that one for about three weeks. Um, and then I might have, we might even have a bit of a chat about we, we're going to get a big wet and it's going to be sort of down along peninsulas and the problem is all of the fires uh, that we've had that have um, desecrated all of the um, flora mm. and therefore it's they're talking about sort of great chunks of mudslide. soil mudslide yep. yeah yep. Yep. Um, and but I'm talking about Great Ocean Road oh right? okay yeah so okay Problem child, problem um, child on the way, and then there's a piece about a young bloke, and I'm gonna have to. Yeah, you're gonna have to use, find that one. I have to use the music breaks to uh, find yeah. it because I'm I cut it out, and it seems to have uh, slipped through my grass, might have fluttered but away in the he, breeze. He, this kid's made something, and I, I think I, should, I think I told you it was a nuclear reactor, <laughs> but it's something almost as formidable. It sounded um, impressive. Uh, anyway, I'll find it, and right. uh, we'll uh, we'll get underway. Well, we'll kick off the show with a couple of significant. Uh, um, departures and um, some 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 acknowledgements. Yes. So obviously, before our show, if you were listening in in great anticipation of our show, you would have heard the maestro who runs this uh, radio station yes. playing Van Halen songs, and yes. we did lose uh, Eddie Van Halen really? through the week. Yeah, we did. You're very young. Yeah, I know. Sadly, fifty nine, sixty five, sixty five. Who was one of the great uh, guitarists? Uh, like him or love him. But um, they were good band, good songs. But he was very good and too young. So, yep. So that was very sad news. But in great rock and roll news, and in the spirit of resurrection, Scotty, yes. Guess who released their new single this week? Uh, I'm going to go Akadaka. 
Akadaka. It's called Shot in the Dark. Yep. And you know what? It sounds like all their other songs. Exactly. And that's a good thing. It does. A Shot in the Dark. Shot in the Dark. Is then followed by It's a just a walk in the park. Yeah, Something a shot like, in the dark's better than a better walk, than in, walk the in the park. park. That's it. But, but it's yes. using some of Malcolm Young's dearly departed yes. old chords, recorded chords. So ah. they've, they've taken a bit of the old and worked it into the so song. So they've embedded. They have. This is the nice. wonder of modern technology. Are we going to hear it today? No, we're no. not. But I urge you to go on YouTube and listen to I, it. I have. I have several yep. times. I'll tell you what. The only other... And there's, there's, there's not much more exciting than a new ACDC song. Nah. Just when we thought they were gone forever. Yeah, no, it's, it's they are like a yep. weed in the garden that yep. just keeps growing back. Yep. Stronger and more resilient than ever, and I love it. Now, on that, uh, and just to step sideways for a second, because I've sort of got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about this. Is there? Can you can you overplay something can in you, terms of a song? In terms of the song, right? Well, so I, somebody releases a song and and it's great, and you well, hear I it think, maybe I think so once a day, maybe twice a day. But I tend to be a bit of a, a I've got a fairly loyal uh, list, listenership, right? Um, your personal listenership, my personal listenership, right? right? Um, but there's a song put out by the Oils. Hmm. Do you reckon you can name it? That gets played a heck of a lot. U.S. forces? No, recent, like a new one for them. Oh, it's the new one. They've got the collaboration on. Welcome to Gattacaland. Welcome Gattacaland. Yeah. I reckon I've heard it four and a half thousand times in the last three months. You must be listening to a certain radio <laughs> program that plays that. I don't think I've heard it much. Uh, well, Mind you, I don't listen to a lot of radio sh- uh, programs I, outside I, of the Southern I, FM I reckon station. it gets played, because I sort of have it going in the background, right? Um, I reckon it gets played six to eight times a day. Well, it's good. Yeah, I, I, but it's an oil no, song, it's, so it's good. Nah. Over, You've overplayed it. Overkill oh, for me. Controversial. And yeah, I'm just... Yeah, and no, nothing about the song itself, just about the amount of times it gets played. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah, all yeah, it yeah. is. Fair enough. And I'm just thinking... They're, thrash, they're thrashing yeah, it. They you, know what that, you know what it's called? It, it's Heavy rotation. Well, it'll end up being flogging a dead horse. Because yeah. <laughs> they'll drive it into the ground prematurely. Anyway, hey, so um, I just wanted to also acknowledge something that's occurring at the moment in the French Open. At Roland Garros. Oh, yes, there's a lot going on over there. Tonight, this is Rafael Nadal. Now, is there a more resilient sportsman in the world outside of him uh, and Fed? Yeah, no, wouldn't They are remarkable. He's gone into his um, another final. It's his, if he wins tonight against the Joker, it's his 100th, sorry, it's his 100th win. 100th Not just win. 100th match, it's his 100th win at he, Roland Garros. He, he, Hundredth win in a major? In, in, no, in that tournament. Hundredth win at, at, at Roland, Roland Garros. Get off the grass. He and has only it. lost twice there since his debut fifteen years ago. That is extraordinary. All right. Yeah. Hundred wins at a single Grand Slam will surely stand the test of time. No one else will ever break that record. He owns that. He owns that yeah, court. Yeah, yeah. They should re. They should rename. They re- should rename it yeah. Roland Rafa Garros. Yeah. <laughs> Rafa, Rafa Garros. Rafa Garros. I'm going to call my child. It's got a ring. Her name was Garros. Which, Rafa Garros. Which prompted a genius. You got to thank Ando for these things. What other unbreakable records are there, Scotty, in the um, history of sport? Number one, Don 
Bradman's batting average yes. of 99.94, that'll never be broken, surely. Marcus Labuschagne's on his way, but... Yeah, I wouldn't, we'll I wouldn't have thought that... Uh, I don't reckon we'll see. This one won't now, but it was threatened several times, which was Fred Fanning's 18 goals in a VFL match. Wow. Now, Plugger and Jason Dunstall 14? went close. They got 14-15 14, 14, yeah. once. Yep. But 18's yeah, a lot. The way the game's played today, there aren't 18 goals no. kicked in a match. Mate, you're, you're I mean, like... Collingwood only kicked one to three-quarter time <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Um, you're lucky. You're lucky if you get a bag of five or six these days. Oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, four goals is a bag. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like you know the Royal Melbourne Show used to be a big bag. Now yeah. it's a, like a thimble. Well, it used to be a big a bag, bag. You know, used to be ten goals. Yeah. Now it's four. Yeah, and a big bag at the show used to be a big bag, and it was twenty cents, not seventeen dollars. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> the other three that were mentioned here, given it's racing carnival, I thought this was impressive. Bart Cummings, 12 Melbourne yeah, Cup 12 wins. Melbourne That's never going to be broken. Never. Um, here's one for you. Mm-hmm. What about Maccabi um, Diva's three Melbourne Cups? Oh, that'll never be beaten again. Really? No, it won't. Too much competition. Right. Okay. That's a big statement. Well, yeah. I, I know. Debate. Someone might. No, it's pretty hard. Maccabi yeah. Diva, legend. Well, what about three Cox Plates? Already been done. Already been done? Mm. Yeah. Smaller rice, shorter rice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and here's one that was interesting, but he's probably never going to be broken. Jim Stein's 244 consecutive oh, yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. No one's yeah, going to no, no, have that sort no, of endurance. You get busted before that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one I didn't know. Tim Cale, 50 international goals for Australia. Wow. Yeah. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. So no one ever break that. Uh, and we also uh, need to acknowledge that Dan Andrews has uh, raised the bat. He's 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 he scored a ton. <laughs> he scored eight eight tons. He said he's um he's uh, <laughs> I love this. I'll just read it. Whether you love him or hate him, mm-hmm. the Victorian Premier did the unthinkable on Saturday and attended his hundredth straight press conference. Like most Australian innings, it ebbed and flowed and managed to dominate TV screens every day. Mr Andrews came out to the crease facing some serious pace, daily cases of 700 plus, and matched the off-cutters with some serious spin of his own. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh... While there were plenty of hairy moments, the biggest scare of his stand came in the anxious 80s when a disagreement at both ends led to the wicket of Jenny McCarkos. <laughs> <laughs> she was plum LB, let me tell you. <laughs> well, congratulations are in order. Baz reckons it's time to take a break and say to oh, I bring out the other ministers and let the rest of the squad contribute something to the score. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah, and uh, he, I don't think he really enjoyed that 100th press, that 100th press conference, did he? No. No, because there was a lady that yeah, attended yeah. that was actually a journalist and not a reporter. Do you know what the difference between a journalist and a reporter is, Scotty? Uh, can a journalist write something and the reporter just reports? Reporter just reports. Right. So that's what typically attend his press conferences. Right. They just repeat ad nauseum yes. what he said. Yes. But a journalist, especially in a more investigative journalist, yes. um, would ask harder questions to seek the truth of the matter. Yes, what happened in those six minutes? Hmm. <laughs> Well, it's becoming, there was an article today, self-written, um, comparing this scandal to Watergate. It's a bit of a reach. But um, the uh, he he's down to this timeline, Scotty. Yep. There's a six-minute gap. It's like, um, it's, it's like, 
You know, the vortex, it's a mystery. Yeah, a lot can happen in six it's, minutes. It's, it's, it's like the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> of time, this one. Nothing to see here. What's happened between 1.16pm and 1.22pm, the much-discussed six-minute window? So uh, he is really um, getting, he's winding himself up here and there's a mystery. He needs the phone records. To, we need the phone records released to see what actually happened. And there's, it's it's like watching Shane Ward at the crease at the moment. There's yeah. that much spin yeah. being imparted. Yeah. Googlies. He's Googlies, flippers. flippers. <laughs> the one that goes straight on. The zooter. The zooter. <laughs> the hooter. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she's all over him like a cheap suit and at the moment. You, and do you reckon she'll let, uh, let him go? And I don't remember, just won't cut Not it. Not a hope in So uh, we're about to uh, see the chickens come home to roost, Scotty, as yeah. they say in the classics. Yeah, he, won't, uh, he won't enjoy that line of questioning, I wouldn't have thought. Now, uh, we need to go to a break. Um, and um, let's do that. All right. All right. When your future feels uncertain, it's time to ask for help. Bendigo Bank has been helping our customers through tough times for over 160 years. If you're a Bendigo Bank customer, talk to us about ways we can help you through this one. We have financial assistance packages available, so don't wait. Visit our website or contact your local Bendigo Bank branch. Together, we'll see you through to better times. Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. Southern FM sponsor. What is coronavirus like? It was, it was like drowning. I have coughing fits that go for uh, one to two minutes. I was put in induced coma. The doctors thought that I was going to die. Well, I was asleep and I, I didn't know that my wife got sick. To her mom, who got corona, most likely from her, uh, and then passed away. Please play your part. For details, go to vic.gov.au forward slash coronavirus. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. Oh, hi. Nice day for a walk and a chat, right? We've been discussing organ donation, which I think is something we should all be talking about more. There's more people alive in Australia today because of organ donation, which is a great reason for more of us to say yes to donation. So why not register today at donatelife.gov.au and talk to your family and friends to tell them you want to be a donor. This project is sponsored by the Organ and Tissue Authority. Southern FM. The sounds of the Bayside. And you're back with the two smoking guns, Scotty and Rusty. Yes, you are. And uh, if you want to contribute to the conversation, you <laughs> can send us a text message on 0404 000 uh, And before we go on, Scotty, look, we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Uh, the fact that the Saints aren't progressing past the no, semi-final. So no. let's just reflect on that for a moment. Look, and congratulations to all the teams that did win. Good on good on Geelong, good on Tigers. That ultimately, yep. despite all the issues that happened through the game, which we will touch on, uh, they were the better team. They were. Uh, and they it sets up two very good preliminary finals. So, um, you know, that's what the AFL want. They want good semi-finals. They don't want one-sided games. They're going to no. get them. Yep. You've got a... A strong team playing at home, Port against the Tigers. That should be a cracker. Should be a beauty. And Geelong, who were resurgent, playing against the Lions on their home deck. So that'll be a good game they too. So good luck to those teams. They were slick. All the best to them. Our Saints, um, we really miss Paddy. We really yeah, miss we Paddy Ryder. We got smashed out of the middle. Yeah, we did. And he was our best player, um, sadly yeah. injured. And he was good all year, and we were used to roving to him. And all our system 
went out the door because we didn't have the extra forward and all that stuff. Yep. That's a that's a reason, not an excuse. Uh, arguably, didn't miss Jake Carlisle as much or probably Ben Long would have been handy. Uh, the most ridiculous um, MRO decision ever seen. Yes. But anyway, we'll get over that. But uh, the thing that let us down m- most, apart from the player um, side of things, was our lack of intensity and our inaccuracy in front of goal, which is something that we've not been really used to seeing this year. No. It was our worst in um, pressure uh, for the year. Yep. Disappointing to put that on in the final. And we couldn't kick straight. Um, despite all that, we were in it. We were in it up to three-quarter time. Um, we were. Despite kicking it bloody wayward. So um, they will get better f- from that next year. Oh, they will recruit further. They will have these young brigades that are coming through who are rem- remarkable in terms of what they've been able to put on the park this year. Yep, agreed. Um, we will be much better for the run, as they say in yes, the classics. you've got to be amongst it in order to experience it and uh, learn from it. And uh, all you can ask is that you, you get into that environment and you, uh, you just keep doing your best. Um, and uh, if the if during the final series, if the AFL find themselves in need of sort of an American innovation, where they have players run out to their own theme songs, yes. um, there's a certain full forward from Richmond who will run out to this song. Yeah, for sure. Everyone considered him the coward of the county. Yes, that's for you, Tom Lynch. Um, you can uh, take your knee drops to the head and your elbows to the back of other people's yep. heads and all your other terrible acts that you've um, performed on players over the journey. And I'm hoping the Karma bus is warming up and it's on its way to Adelaide and it opens the door and knocks you over on the way. So five times at the Tribunal this year. Uh, and uh, he, got, he got rubbed out though, didn't he? He got rubbed out, surely. Yeah, he got a couple. No, 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 but I'm just saying from the, the, the game on Friday No, night, no, no, just define for Richmond, Scotty. Hang on. Just define for Richmond. Yeah, hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Five times yep. for the tribunal. Yep. He's opened up some... He's, coll- he's collected a few points on the way. He, he's opened up one of our boys and he you know, spilled enough claret to, to, yes. to, uh, to go around the yes, masses. and then, for, he, then, he, then he did a flying knee drop that I haven't seen since Killer Carl Cox came off the turnbuckle at Festering Hall. Yeah. Right, yeah. so there's that, and then there's his mate, the sniper. Oh yeah, he did, he did a flying neck suplex, yeah. which yeah. I haven't seen since uh, <laughs> I haven't seen since Hulk Hogan, the Magic Man, <laughs> Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So um, all I can say to those two is good luck to you with your projects, yeah. and hope the Karma Bus gets you. Yeah. Um. But I'm not. Uh, I'll move on from that. It's just not right. Yeah, it's not right anyway. But anyway, we're going to play a song that encapsulates... Uh, well, we're going to song theme today that encapsulates like the season. A bit of resurrection. I resurrection. think it's been a resurrection from where we finished last year yep. to finish sixth. Absolutely. Which is a great effort. And uh, we're going to play songs about resurrection. Starting with this one today, Scotty. Yes. Jump out from the middle of the floor 
That's a cracker. That gets you up and about that one. I love that. Ah, that's called Resurrection Shuffle, Scotty. That's from 69. 1969. Ashton Gardner and Dyke sang that song. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you who does a good version of it. Your mate, Tom Jones. Oh, does he? So look that up, because he does a bit of a version of that. From back back when Tom was the young, lithe Irishman, you know, or Welshman that he was. Um, So you'd like that. That's a good track. Yep. That gets us up and about. Yeah, it does get you up and about, that one. Now, there's a million things to talk about, so where should we start? I reckon you should, before you forget, yes. you should talk about the cat and the, the cat. man that sits on the buildings. Oh, because okay. Because if we go another week <laughs> and I hear you mention <laughs> that, that, article, that, that, that piece of paper will you'll, be green and mouldy by the time you get to those you'll, stories. You'll shoot me. <laughs> All right. So knock those so, over. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get underway then. Uh, sit back and uh, and enjoy this. Uh, Red led the cat. Must have used up every one of her nine lives. Uh, she was the captain's cat aboard warship HMS, HMAS Perth when it was sunk by Japanese torpedoes off the coast of Java during World War Two. What's she doing on the? Boat. Oh, she's just come just along. She's snuck just on board. Come along. Well, I reckon she's there to eat the rats and the mice. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Red Lead was brought aboard HMAS Perth as a kitten in Sydney in 1941 and earned the crew's respect through her skills as a prodigious ratter. Oh, there you go. There you go. And uh, empathetic companion. Um, but... Uh, it's led. It's believed that she was actually bred by a woman known as the Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh, don't we not love this? Uh, not Julie from no. Julie from the Batman no, series. No, the Bat no. So uh, she bred by the, uh, was the Catwoman, was Catwoman of Maysot on the Thai Burma border on March the first, nineteen forty-two, before Captain Hector Waller followed the time on a tradition of going down with his ship. He insisted Redlead be carried off to safety. Uh, her minder leapt off the ship with red lead tucked inside his life jacket and put her on a small skiff. Of the 681 men aboard, 353 men drowned, while 328 men and one cat made it to safety. After that's drift- red lead. That's red lead. After drifting to shore, Red Lead found a small band of Australian survivors and attached herself to a petty officer who was given the pseudonym Dan Bolt, uh, in the in this particular book, uh, the men were captured by Japanese uh, soldiers and held as POWs for three and a half years, with Red Lead their constant companion. The uh, courageous cat survived several terrifying encounters with uh, native wildlife, including once attacking a king cobra after the POWs inadvertently set up camp near a snake nest. A cobra. <laughs> A cobra snake. That's a hard-ass cat. That's a hard-ass cat. One king cobra attacked one of the men and bit him on the calf and sank the fangs in for a long time. As someone pointed out, they can kill an elephant. Red lead, in the middle of this, dived in under the snake's body and neck and gripped onto it. The POW was killed. While a red lead was flung five metres clear and hit a tree, leaving her dazed. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone had incredible admiration for this cat, Perry says. Another time, Red Lead flew at a tiger terrorising the POW's camp. Her story came in full circle when, in incredible coincidence, Dan Bolt, who was the next bloke that looked after her, acting as POW Medico, was sent to Red Lead's hometown 
and made it his mission to track down the Catwoman of Maysot. Redlin was united with her mother and siblings and the young woman who bred her. How's that for a story? That's amazing. Hey? So the ship's going down. Yeah. So tucked into a life into a life vest, you know, just shoved in. So <laughs> gobfuls of water onto a little bit of wood, gets to shore, attacks a cobra, <laughs> bloke dies, <laughs> has a crack at a lion ten times its size, and then gets reunited back in the uh, back in Burma with uh, her breeder. But um, there you go. That's a uh, it's a pretty amazing. You could say of Red Leg that he had a crack. Oh, or had she a had a crack. Oh, she or he? Uh, well, I think it was a female. I think female cat. A female cat. I think uh, it must be uh, yeah, her nine lives. Yeah, yeah, she had a crack. Good, good a on her. Um, now, I, I'm Julie Newmar the... was who I was thinking of. You played uh, Catwoman. Oh yes. Oh yeah, very good Catwoman. There were a few too. that played Catwoman. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, did Eartha Kitt play? Yeah, Catwoman? Eartha Kitt played Catwoman. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Remember uh, that one? Hayley Berry played Catwoman. Y- yes. In a version? Yes. And she yeah, she was a Bond girl too. Yeah. Anne Hathaway, apparently, in The Dark Knight. Ah, re- oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. There's been a few Catwomen. Yeah. Um, never, yeah. never any ugly Catwomen, are there? Uh, no. <laughs> no. 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 Um, no, most of those girls are, uh, aren't really challenged no. in the looks department. No. They're, they're quite easy on the eyes, they say. Um, now, I will get this one out of the way because you've, you've threatened to uh, follow me home and burn my house down unless I do this. Um, it was a uh, prime piece of real estate with marvellous views, but no neighbours. Smack in the middle of the city, only five minutes walk to the GPO. Um, there was a photo in the paper recently, taken on June 30, 1978, which shows a caretaker's cottage on the top of AC Good House in Collins Street. Right. So there's actually a house on the roof of this particular building. Mm-hmm. Seven floors up amid the smog and pollution. It was home to Arthur um, Kuriana, 33. His what, wife. Uh, what year are we talking, Scott? 1978. Okay. Yeah, so okay. not not ridiculously long ago, 40 no, years. Just the art name Arthur, you don't, don't yeah, hear that no, name a lot too, anymore. Not too many arties. No, uh, not too many arts. So uh, Arthur Caruana, 33, his wife Bernadette, 32, and boy Stephen and Simon. As the Herald uh, reported, Arthur was the caretaker of the building and the cottage came with the job. It's completely self-contained, even with a small garden, uh, but no lawn, definitely no lawn. No lawn. <laughs> no lawn. Uh, answering the door. No with, tennis court, I'm assuming. Uh, no, <laughs> no. No pool. No. There's, uh, there's some sort of air conditioning units all around it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other building services and facilities. Answering the doorbell can be a problem because it's seven floors down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is all part of the job. Uh, uh, the magnificent uh, neo-Gothic office building on the corner of Collins and Queen Street. Collins and Queen. Yep. So hang on. Yeah, um, Collins and Queen. Yeah, so, okay. So you go down the, that the, down the west end of the city there. Well, that's um, that's that that's the opposite four four seven Collins. That's that's um, was a was a bank. Yeah, well, it was, was the, the NAB Western Branch, and it's right. now a hotel, I believe. Okay, so it's the AC Good House. Okay, is, yeah, uh, I think it's the one I'm talking about. Anyway, um, so it was built in the 1890s. By 1978, Melbourne still had a number of caretakers living in houses 
on top of buildings, but they are a dying breed. Well, is it, was there an association of blokes on oh, buildings? No, there's just a photo of him holding one of his children on the edge of the building. Oh, like, so it's, he's like Michael Jackson. <laughs> the, the kid is in his arms, and they're quite precariously close to the edge, I must say. Um, anyway, but uh, so they're a dying breed because they're now replaced by external security contractors. Oh, what a shame. You said there's another so, job that's gone, like tram conductors. Oh, I know. Tram remember, conductors were great bikes. Remember you, you get your and, ticket and girls ticket clipped. We well, used to get a clipped ticket. You used to get a little clipped ticket. That was and all if a you'd misbehave, you'd get a clip behind yeah. the ear. <laughs> right, real <laughs> clip. That's called. Yeah. Um, so anyway, be more of it. There's uh, so they're a bit of fun, and I've got the. Well, I'm so, glad you got that out well, finally. Um, You've been teasing me with it for weeks. It's two of the in, bla- in black and white stories that <laughs> in one of the papers, and the third one is about Bill the Bastard. Oh and well, it's a, and it's a beauty. All right, so, well, uh, we might go to Bill the Bastard after we uh, we take a break in a sec. Righto. Um, but um, after the break, I did want to come back because I've got a piece. Well, it's actually, it's probably going to be a big chunk of time. That's right. Depending on whether you like it or not. Righto. Um, what are you going to talk about, with? Bill? But we're going to talk about Australia's favourite TV moments. Oh, yes. yes which no, is, I like which, that. Which, which, piece published in the paper that, that I looked at and went, I think I can do better. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll return after the break to see just how well I've done. Fantastic. Okay. There's no doubt everyone is feeling impacted in some way by coronavirus. From financial stress to relationship challenges, our days look very different. It's normal to be feeling a little overwhelmed or perhaps completely out of your depth. That's why Beyond Blue has developed the Coronavirus Mental Wellbeing Support Service. It's free and available 24-7. So if you're feeling unsure about how to cope, chat to one of our expert counsellors by calling 1-800-512-348 or visit coronavirus.beyondblue.org.au. Hey, you ready to go for a run? Make sure you keep up. Speaking of keeping up, did you get around to registering to be an organ and tissue donor like we talked about? Because it's young guys like us who are lagging behind the rest of Australia when it comes to registering to be donors. It's time we pulled our weight, I reckon, because one day it might be you, me, or one of our family who needs a transplant. That's a pretty good reason to say yes to donation. And it only takes a minute at donatelife.gov.au. This project is sponsored by the Organ and Tissue Authority. You mean... Me cry. Hey, Jude here. Clearly, retro is cool. So let's take a trip through some fab retro music. We'll revisit the soundtrack of our lives. <laughs> Stay a while with me, Judith. Mondays 11am here on 88.37 FM. Be there or be square. Over bridge of sights To rest my eyes in shades of green And welcome back to Two Smoking Guns on this lovely, lovely day. And uh, look, I've been looking forward to this because I've there was a piece that piqued my curiosity and interest. I love it when your curiosity um, is piqued. You loved it when I'm piqued. Um, and it was a piece that, um, look, this is an opinion business, but it was a piece put out by the Academy of Cinema and Television Arts, ACTA, which is a I reckon that's a really good acronym because actor, acting, I think it's, yeah, it amused me anyway. And they, they, they put out these favourite TV moments. Now, whoever's written this must be under 30 or something. Right. Because they've gone with uh, the following. Um, Patrick dies in Offspring. 
Um, never no. watched the show. Couldn't tell you. No, never watched Joan it. buried alive in Wentworth. Now, I do remember that. Uh, I don't remember that. Um, Rose's passing in Please Like Me. Don't know that. What? Never saw the show. The Thailand Cave Rescue. It was a good moment, but it's not exactly... What, the soccer favorite. kids? Yeah, it's a good moment. It's not, it's not even Australian. No. Tony Abbott eats an onion. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> really? That's what they've got. Mick Fanning versus Shark. Didn't mind that. Yeah, no, he's punched right. a shark. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and still alive. Adam Goods' is War Dance. Well, it was divisive. Yeah. Dan and Steph win MKR. What? what? Who cares? Who cares? Nick Cummings alone at the altar. The Honey Badger. Who cares? Oh. And Sam Ball never alone on maths. So oh they reckon they're Australia's favourite TV moments. Scotty, um, I think I can do a lot better than that. I've just, I've just written down three, yeah. and I'll guarantee they're on your list. So, shall we start at the start? Yes, please. Molly Meldrum interviews Prince Charles. Oh, 100%. Now, this is a masterclass of the interviewing technique. I think even Michael Parkinson would have looked at this and said, this is what not to do. But yes. it was Molly's sheer panic, terror, nervousness... Uh, and sweating was hilarious to watch. Yes, it was. And his repeated attempts to, he didn't know what to call him, and, you know, he called, he said, how's your mum going? <laughs> All that sort of stuff. It was absolutely yep. brilliant television. For those who are listening, they've never seen it. Cringeworthy and brilliant. Cringeworthy. <laughs> Beautiful. Yep. Um, the other favourite I had, well, there's a few I've got here, right? Yep. Kath and Kim, um, their honeymoon at the airport. Are you so, kidding me? Kath and Kim go to the airport yes. for their honeymoon yes. and the planes don't go, so they spend their entire honeymoon at the airport. Brilliant. You ever seen that show? Nah. Oh, no, I mean, the show's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, no. Loved it. Loved it. No, I love the show. I haven't seen that episode. Oh, though. it's just gold. Yep. Um, they go. They end up going, and you know those Jenny Kim really bad uh, cardigans that are depict koalas oh, yeah. and yeah. flora and fauna. They get matching pairs of those. They look like those. pro heart. They're, yes. They're, they're pro heart. They get so. a matching pair of those. <laughs> she gets wattle earrings. Oh, it's just gold yep. from all those shit shops. Um, this was my one of my favourite shows growing up, the Paul Hogan show. Oh, absolutely. Right, and there were two episodes that stood out to me there. Yes. One was when Strop used to come into Paul's kitchen. Oh, and make that concoction. And he made the hangover concoction. Oh, yeah. With egg yeah. and all that and stuff. And he drank it. And he drank it. And it was on live TV. Yeah, and he yeah. drank it. But we're talking about <laughs> eggs and yeah. tea bags and... Did you know... Uh, soy sauce. Yeah. Horror, oh, beer. Beer. <laughs> It was that one, yes. and it was the other one where Paul Hogan taught everyone how to make a a, cheese, a a Vegemite sandwich to make sure you get the margarine and put it in the Vegemite oh, jar and stir yes, it around. Yes. Loved that show. Loved yep. that show. No, brilliant. Now, one that I had to add because um, I, I was doing this list, and my wife said, you've got to add in Mo- Molly's death on current, uh, current pra- country, uh, practice. country practice. When Molly died and faded into the... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That's so that's, oh, I'll put that in. Yep. But this one was my one of mine. It was a show called The Early Bird Show. Yes. If you recall that. Yeah, and it, the, had, uh, it the, had Marty the, Marty monster, the monster on it. That's correct. And there was one day they brought Rags the kangaroo on. Yes. And the kangaroo, which is a real kangaroo, yes. attacked Marty the monster oh, on live yeah, TV. I, think I remember actually watching that. Beat the yeah. suitcase out of Marty. <laughs> Absolute highlight. Yeah, love it. Um, another great one was... Uh, 
the Corey Worthington interview on A Current Affair. Oh, yes. Now, we did this a long time ago, I know, but just for people that didn't don't remember who Corey Worthington was. Oh, yeah. I think we um, we did. I did a whole segment on it, oh, apropos of someone else having a party who lives in Bayside. Yes. But um, for the, 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 the short... Short version of this is uh, he was 16, home alone in Melbourne of Narry Warren. As it was, His mother and stepfather are away in Queensland. And <laughs> please, son, don't throw any wild parties. Well, <laughs> he did what any self-respecting rebellious teenager would do. Threw he uh, very he whacked party. it on social media. <laughs> of course you do. And um, he, um, he, um, he got a few along. So there were um, something like... <laughs> I got three hundred and fifty four people. Some amount yeah. of people here. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great. Anyone that's ever planned an event on Facebook knows that no matter how many people click attending, not everyone will show up. Typically, thirty percent don't come. However, all of Corey's mates turned up, and another about another five hundred teenagers, oh, wow. and they wreaked havoc in the family home and the surrounding neighbourhood. Underage drinking, lack of parental supervision—it was a disaster. They were shut, throwing bricks and glass, jumping on parked cars, breaking letterboxes. You remember the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. And then the residents, in fighting fire with fire, they invited the police along. So the police <laughs> arrived. The Blue Heelers were all too eager to attend Corey's party, albeit for entirely different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so they attend with the dog squad, a helicopter. Oh, they should have had the was riot, absolutely the full on. Police cars were damaged. Officers were forced to retreat after being pelted with bottles. It was an absolute cluster. And then didn't he offer himself uh, to others to make parties for them if they well, needed somebody to Well, getting to that. Oh, right. When asked to share his take on the night's events, young Corey admitted, I can't remember. I was just off my head. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, before his parents returned home, he went on current affair. That's how oh, they found yeah, out about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Anyway, he got a $20,000 fine and all that sort of stuff. But um, um, I've fast-forwarded. Just I know I'm know I'm segueing here, but I was reading this and re- chuckling about yes. his memory. Yes, but um, he's gone on to bigger and better things, Corey. Ah. Uh, he can uh, he can he's got an account called Party Boy, and he can run your party for you. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so um, he's a trustworthy individual yeah. to run your next yeah. event. Yep, he'll just chuck it out on social media. So if you if you're thinking of buying an old house and you'd like it demolished, uh, get Corey to throw a party for you, because it'll happen. So, 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 like a lot of these B-grade celebrities, he went on Big Brother. Oh, did he? In 2008, apparently. I don't watch the show, no, but apparently he did. No. Um, and obviously, he's, he, he does parties. He's even released his own single oh. in 2008. And you've got you to gotta give him kudos for this. It's a... Uh, Electro dance cover of the Beastie Boys song, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. That's not bad. Anyway, there's a segue there, but I did love the, the whole Corey Worthington saga. So right. there you go. That's another one of my favourite TV Okay. Now, can I... Have you finished? No, no, I've got tons more. Oh, sorry. sorry. Tons more. So you, you feel free to chuck Well, right no, in. because all I, I just wrote down some things here um, in terms of... But, but they're sort of moments on TV, but yes. they were events as no, opposed to... No, go. Stuart Diver coming out oh, of the... Oh, yes. The, uh, the, the, the ice... 
fall. I've that, actually heard him speak at a conference. It's a it's a it's riveting a heck story. Of a story, isn't it? Oh yeah. Um, the Tasmanian miners. Yeah. Two weeks down there. Um, you know, Brant, um, Brant, Brant, and yeah, the other bloke. Yeah, the other bloke. Um, America's Cup. Well, I had that. Right. Um, my my oh, highlight oh. though was uh, that. Yes. But also Bob's Hawk, Bob Hawke's advice for bosses oh, yeah, after the America's yeah. Cup win, where he said, "Anyone, any boss who sacks an a worker for not coming to work today is a bum." Is a bum. <laughs> hey, can I add? One as he, he was as he was being drenched in champagne. Oh, absolutely, and he had that magnificent jacket on too. Yeah, <laughs> can did. I add one to your Molly Meldrum? Yeah. Have you ever seen him do the interview with Iggy Pop? Yeah. Well, that was kind of there. <laughs> I had a category I was wow. in. I almost went into a subcategory yes. of TV hosts interviewing drunk people. Oh, yeah. Oh, there'd be plenty of those. And <laughs> Don Lane interviewing uh, Tom Waits came to, came to oh, my memory. Not sure if I've Tom seen Waits, that. who's a singer with a big gravelly voice, was blind. Was he? On Don Lane's show. It was yep. hilarious. Yep. But yes, the Iggy Pop one on uh, yep. Countdown, I think it was. And it was the who's the American bloke, Tony, somebody who came on? I think he was interviewed by. Um, Oh, he was the female Juno, and he was absolutely sideways <laughs> and, uh, on on morn, uh, t- uh, no, morning TV. That was Carl Stefanovic no, no. after the Logies. Yeah, that oh, was a yeah, TV oh, no, moment. That was a TV moment. <laughs> I think this was. Um, I think this was. Uh, oh no, you're talking know. about the Logies. It was an American guy on the Mod Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it. And he yeah. was blind, absolutely smashed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, him. and was it Cack that interviewed that was interviewing? Well, it might have been Cacker. Cacker. Might have been Cacker. Um, yeah, that's and a he was, good one. And he was quite ravenous. He was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he had the juices flying the night before, and he had the juices still flying the next morning. <laughs> oh, look, I, think, I think he was. Um, I think he was, was one of those inter- is... international guests that oh, came out, yeah. and he decided. You know what? Yeah. I'll drink my body weight. Oh, yeah? oh, I'll tell you what. I reckon he did. And that Michael Coles, his yeah, name. Yeah, that's him. From the Mod Squad. That's him. He, uh, he absolutely <laughs> mothered. He was. He was sideways. He was, oh, he was sideways. Absolutely <laughs> sideways. Um, keep going with your list. I'm loving your list. Yeah. Of, so, uh, so we've TV got a few shows. more to go. So, yes. so on that genre of the Logies, yes. Bert Newton... Interviewing Muhammad Ali. Oh, I like the boy. Yes, the <laughs> racial slur. Have you seen that? Oh, I've seen you remember it. That? I've seen it lots of times because the stare, the stare that came, he got <laughs> that came back. Bert Newton will recount that story a uh, dozen times and say, "I thought I saw my life flash before yeah, my at, eyes." A hundred percent, he would have said that. <laughs> no question, because Muhammad Ali didn't take. Very kindly no, to that. No, he didn't. Uh, and it was just so flippant, though, you know. And, and, well, he and, was just having a casual and, chat, and it turned ra- relatively frosty. And and was that... That's almost one of the very early pieces of what we would now call racism. Yes, right. Well, it's right. casual racism. Well, exactly. I mean, Probably. there was no harm intended. No. But, I mean, you can say that about lots of things, but now we just know you just can't go there. You just you can't say things like that. Yes. Um, now, yeah, uh, no, the other one, yep. which is a famous one in Australian television history, was Bert Newton's great mate, Graham Kennedy. Yes. And his crow call. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the crow yeah, call? I think so. Yes. Ah, yeah. Oh, that's right. 
Oh uh, yes, which was very controversial yep. for the for, for the time. Black when television was only black and white. Yep. Yes, um, which led me to another one of my favourite moments, and I know one of the great Australian fictional characters of all time that we agree with is the great Ted Bullpit. Oh, Ted! I love Ted. When he, uh, the greatest television moment was when he first uttered the immortal phrase, "Not the Kingswood, <laughs> not the Kingswood." Oh, hundred. And he then added an epitaph after that, which was very racist. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Not the Kingswood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And what about money on the fridge? Money on the fridge. <laughs> Expletive deleted. <sighs> so I've got a couple of sport ones for you. Yes. My two... Well, you mentioned the America's Cup, which yep. is on my list. Yep, good. The other one is uh, the one that came out the other day. Um, Kathy Freeman's 400 at the Sydney 2000. Yep. That's a... For sure. And I watched... If you haven't seen this, she raced at stall. I've seen it. Unbelievable. And at stall, yep. they handicapped them. Yep. It's a 400 metre race. Yep. She starts half an overlap behind everybody else yep. and catches them as and, a 16 year old girl. And wins. Hmm. It's un- You look at it and go. It's impossible. She, she'll catch them, but can she actually win? It's and she gets there literally on the last The flight. most amazing she, yeah, she started off like 150 metres behind the, the, the other contestants. Half a lap, half an overlap it's behind just them. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I watched it about a, a week ago. Extraordinary. Um, Another one of my favourites, and I was there. You know how people say they were there? You know, like the 650,000 that were at the MCG to see David Hooks? (laughs) (laughs) I actually was, and And, I can prove it. And the 800,000 that were all at Moorabbin. Yeah. (laughs) So this was in Sydney at the Olympic Stadium. John Aloisi's World Cup qualifying goal, penalty shootout, 2005. To get Australia into their first World Cup in forever. Pulls his jersey over Pulls the jumper and runs fast as he's ever run. That was I. I didn't. I had to. I didn't see the moment because I was watching that penalty shootout through my through my fingers. <laughs> did you have? Did you have the? Oh, I was peering through slit, fingers. The slits going. <laughs> oh, it was. That's uh, the first time uh, I've ever had, had a heart murmur. Oh, really? Oh, it was amazing. Um, that would have been extraordinary. On that on that same theme, I don't. This is a peculiar one for me. Yeah. But two thousand Olympics. Yeah. Um, there's two gentlemen, not far, far more famous than we are, called Roy and HG. Oh, brilliant. Yep. And they did the uh, the show called The Dream. Yes, they did. And every night after the, uh, the, the, the games, they would host this show and they'd have people in. Yep. And they'd have Fatso the Wombat there. That's right. They did too. <laughs> and uh, they used to do that show. Yes. But they also used to commentate. Yes. And they used to commentate the men's and the women's weightlifting. Yeah, okay. I thought it might have been the shooting. And the shooting. And, and the shooting. Yeah, yep. it was the shooting. So yes. uh, for Comedy Gold, you've got to go back and have a listen to some of their work back yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't have time to play no, that to you today. they are uh, two outstanding but they uh, are two of the funniest men you'll ever come across. They certainly are. Um, n- number two. Number two. And then there's a number one. Right. And this... This is probably the greatest example of being in the right place at the right time. So I take you back to 1975 on the steps of Parliament House in Canberra. Oh, yes. Norman Gunston. (laughs) I thought you were going to go to the (laughs) Governor-General. Gough Whitlam has come out to face the press after being sacked by the Governor-General. And which journalist happens to be front and centre as he comes down the steps? Norman. Norman Gunston. Now, the footage of this 
is the most iconic footage in Australia yeah. because <laughs> there he is with his hair plastered across his forehead and he's yeah. shaving things and he's there <laughs> asking questions. <laughs> After the Prime Minister and he's talking to everyone. He's talking to Billy Snedden. He's talking to everyone. He's turning to the crowd and having taken the piss. And he goes up to Bob Hawke and Bob Hawke goes... This isn't really the time, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to come back. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, it's absolutely I don't think fantastic. I've ever seen that footage of, uh, oh, of look, him on the steps, though. I looked at it this morning, and it's any every time I see Norman Gunston, oh, you I just laugh. Because yeah, he's hysterical. Yeah, he is. Um, but I've got something for you. This is a yes. gift for you. Oh, a gift for me. It's a gift for Scotty. Yes. Uh, I'm not even going to preempt this because you'll know what it is. Uh, yes. Just let me get it up here. Yes. Um, I've just got to edit this as I go. So just let me right. get it to the point where it's. So it's got to be one of my favourite TV it's shows. It's one of your favourite things of all time, written yeah. by two of your favourite men. Oh. Um, oh. And it's a show that was about the 2000 uh, Olympics. Oh, this has got to be Ross Stevenson. Uh, it's called it's called the games. The games and uh, John and, Clark. Uh, John Clark. Yes. And this is the piece that I wanted I to show you. you. Now, Mr. Wilson, we've got a problem, haven't we? You're a problem, eh? That is not good. No, this is not good at all, Mr. Wilson. What sort of a problem? Well, I'm right, aren't I, in assuming that you put that athletics track in. Yes, that's right. Yeah, now, did you do this to specifications, Mr. Wilson? Yes. Are they the specifications there, Mr. Wilson? Yes, that's them. Good. Now, Mr. Wilson, have you measured the 100 metres track? Yes, of course. Well, let me ask you, how long is it? How long is the 100 metres track? Yes. It's a 100 metres track. Yeah, I know what it is, Mr. Wilson. I'm asking you how long it is. It's about 100 metres. It's about 100 metres long. Yes. How long should it be, Mr. Wilson? That's about the length... It should be. Yeah, about 100 metres long. Mm. Is the 200 metres track about 200 metres long? Well, the 200 metres track is different. Isn't it twice as long as the 100 metres? Well, the 200 is different. So, no, 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 you've lost us, Mr. Well, the 200 metres track is part of the 400 metres track. Well, how long is the 400 metres track, Mr Wilson? Well, the 400 metres starts round here in the back straight, finishes up here at the finish line. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a sure. staggered no, no, start. No, no. No, familiar with the event itself, Mr Wilson. What I'm trying to ascertain is, are you absolutely sure that the 200 metres track is 200 metres long? Yes, that's right. Yeah, because it's half the 400 metres track, which is 400 metres long. That's right, the 200 metres is half the 400 metres, you can measure it. Yeah, no, 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 but the 400 metres track is exactly 400 metres long, is it? That's right. So the 200 metres track is exactly 200 metres long? Yes, of course. But what you're telling me is that the 100 metres track is about 100 metres long. Slightly different arrangement, the 100 metres track. Is a metre a slightly different concept, is it, in 100 metres as against 200? Well, I don't understand, Mr Wilson, quite why in the construction of a 100 metres track you would want to depart too radically from the constraints laid down for us by the conventional calibration of distance. <laughs> well, the 100 metres track <laughs> is not part of the... Oh, how... You just... You know, I, I, I'll be going home and just getting the laptop and running through a whole series of those I'll give you some more. I'll give you some more. Yes, you can. Put a circular 100 in the middle of the track out there. No, you can't do that. Yes, you can. I mean, if we can fit in a circular 400, we can fit in a circular 100. No, you can't have a 100 with a bend in it. Of course you can. The 200's got a bend in it. I mean, the 400's just one dirty big bend all the way around. 
Why would someone object to the 100 metres having abandoned it? Well, they won't run in it. Wouldn't? The athletes. They'll refuse. Well, I'd run in it. Well, the best athletes won't run in it, Brian. Well, all the better for me. I'm the current Australian champion. Try and be serious. Well, I am being serious. I mean, there are no rules that said the 100 metres has to be run in a straight line. They will get dizzy. No, no, no. But it's exciting. I mean, think about this, John. I mean, the problem with the 100 metres at the moment, as I see it, is you know who's going to win because you know who's in front. Now, the 400 metres, you don't know who's in front until they straighten up at the top of the straight. It's fantastic. I mean, the crowd loves it. Well, if you run the 100 in a circle, Brian, they're not going to straighten up till they get home. Wouldn't that be a ball terror? Brian, if the world champion draws the outside lane in your event, the centrifugal force active on him when he comes off the home turn will be bloody enormous. He'll rip his freckle out. He'll be up over here like the bloody sheepdog across the top of the crowd. We'll be going to guarantee the safety of the public. Be a ball terror, though. Bloody sight worse than that, bro. Oh, my goodness. Do you, you just forget how brilliant... Uh, that that script uh, is, and uh, and those two, they were. Um, I just the, wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to replay the sheer genius that oh. sits within this final final oh. piece. Yep. Why, in the construction of a one hundred metre track, you would want to depart too radically from the constra- constraints laid down for us by the conventional <laughs> calibration of distance? <laughs> the oh. writing in that show. Oh, and yeah, all uh, due respect to our great mate Roscoe yep. and the great John Clark um, was the most astounding writing of any TV show I've ever seen. I think they won a gold Loki for that. Oh, if they didn't, um, they should have. Yeah. And, and uh, watching it again this morning, yeah. I just thought of you straight away. Oh, man, oh, man. Because I... that show was ap- epic. Yep. There wasn't an episode that yep. wasn't absolutely serious. I can't look at John Clark without laughing. I can tell you, I, I was lucky enough, um, I went to the MCG one day, because um, I was doing some work with John on something else, um, and uh, they were actually filming um, one of the parts of the series yeah. in, the, in the long room or something up at uh, up at the G that day, and Gina Riley was there, yeah. and it was, uh, it was extraordinary. Uh, the, other, the other piece that you, you've got to go and find is uh, where they talk about building the swimming pool. Oh, yes, I know. And... Uh, and John turns around, you know, there's, there's a line of questioning around, you know, how's the swimming pool coming along? Oh, it's coming along well. Um, um, well, wh- where is it? Uh, well, uh, we've got the water. <laughs> there's just no pool. <laughs> been oh, no. Built. But though, that's... I'm off. Uh, I'll dig that up. We'll play that later Oh, on. yeah, that's... Um, but uh, that's my favourite. No, that's you, my favourite. Uh, Australian TV oh, yeah. moment oh, for you there. Just outstanding. <laughs> um, and, was, and then I went on, Scotty, to to watch so many more of his. I've had a lovely morning. Oh, I've watched him do John Howard, and I've watched him explain the economy. Of uh, I mean, that that piece they used to do on uh, <laughs> oh, Channel Nine, you know, just before the end of the news, was just absolutely sensational. I mean, the writing in that was. I mean, we really did lose, you know, one of the, oh, one of the one great of the talents of all time. Um, just, hey, we'll, we'll yeah. take a quick song because I need to recover. Oh, good. Yeah, no, <laughs> so I, I hope you enjoyed I'm, that. I'm hurting. I'm, thank you, I mate. hope you I, enjoyed that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I will be going back and watching more episodes of the games today when I get home. Yeah, you absolutely will, as oh, will I. Oh, so good. All right, uh, here's another resurrection song, Scotty. You might, you might remember this one. All right, let's we'll see. We'll see how you go. Righto.
there you go, Scotty. You said through in the break, you said, oh, I know this, yep. I know this no, song. I know the song. And, and uh, um, you had a few guesses. And oh, I did. Almost, you got there in the end. That was Alison Moyer. Yeah, she had a great voice. She, she? was, um, she started out in a band called Yazoo. Yazoo, that's it. Oh, Yazoo yeah, with yep. Vince Clark, yeah. Yep. And they, had, they had a couple of songs. Um, oh, I can't remember what the songs were now, but anyway. No, she's got a cracking good voice. And then she went out and did uh, those sort of stuff. That was Love Resurrection. Yeah, so. Excellent. Yeah. Good singer. Very good choice in keeping with your theme. Only You was their, yeah, their big song. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good no. track. Yeah, good track. Um, so there you go. There's another. I like playing songs where you recognise them. I've got a lovely no. one coming up um, to, to finish. Oh, well, I've got a couple, but probably one. It's it's a fairly long one, so I might have to play it and then fade it. Yeah, well. I'll have to be, use all of my skills cause, cause playing was, with my knobs <laughs> to, uh, to play it and fade it. Because I was thinking, when you told me what the duration of the track was, I thought it had to be dire straits. No, it's, it's dire. <laughs> but it's, it's almost it's, the same duration. It is. It's a long song. Of, uh, but uh, anyway. The straight, one of the straight. We'll hey. that. So what I want to do is I'm going to lead you into this because you are. uh, you're going to talk about amazing things kids have done. Yeah, well, because I can't find, and it, I'm annoyed, and uh, I can't find the article about what the uh, what this young man invented, but I'll find it, and I'll bring that a, next week. There's a precursor to that. Yes, there's, a, there's, a, there's a show starting, I think it's tonight, it's Kids in the Kitchen, it's uh, I think it is. not the band, it's uh, MasterChef, Junior MasterChef, yep. um, which, um, which I don't know if I'll watch, because the kids can be a t- touch precocious. Um, but um, I do love cooking shows, so we'll, we'll probably give it a look, yeah, see no, how it runs, and yep. then if it, the kids turn out to be precocious darlings, then uh, I won't watch it again. Yep. But um, there's an article through the week interviewing a few of these kids, and uh, <laughs> remarkable. I don't know what you were like when you were 10 years old, but this guy, Ben, he's 10. Yes. Ben is 10. Yes. He's from Ben. Ben, ben, is, from ben, ben is from Bendigo. Ben oh. is from Bendigo, and Ben is 10. <laughs> uh, obviously taught to cook by his granny. Probably yep. your mother or your grandmother's going to teach you how to cook. Yeah. Right? Yep. Outside of the kitchen, his hobbies are including making military models, playing the cornet, and going to Cub Scouts. I used to make military models. He's a bit models. of an all high achiever, this bloke. I used to go to Cub Scouts. Yep. I used to play with soldiers, but I didn't play the cornet. No, 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 I didn't do that. Anyway, <laughs> what is your favourite thing to cook, Ben? Now, what would your answer be as a 10 year old? Oh, yeah, bacon and eggs. Or a cheese sandwich. Yeah, yeah, toasty, that's right. sandwich? yep, yep. Bow buns. Bow buns? Bow buns. Because they're tasty and fun to eat with your hands, fair enough. Oh. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up at 10? Uh, oh, yeah, a fireman. Yeah, fireman. Yeah, yeah. copper. No, copper. Yeah. Uh, chef shearer. Uh, ben wants to be a website developer and an architect. Also, a chef who specialises in presenting food with a story. Oh, my goodness me. He needs to get out more Jesus Christ, he's, no. he's, he's seen the career advisor, hasn't he, at school? <laughs> Crikey. So there's another girl here, Vienna. Yes. Vienna uh, is 13. Yes. Good on her. Yep. Um, she started baking at five. <laughs> of course she did. Of course she did. Um, now, I'm not sure whether that's because she wanted to or she was in, in a concentration <laughs> camp. I don't know. Um, she bakes two, two, two or four times a week. Yeah. Often cooks dinner her, for her family. Yep. How old were your children when they first cooked dinner for your family? Uh, well, it, it was certainly not my oldest daughter. Um, it would be my youngest daughter, and I reckon she was probably twelve. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, That's 12, not 13. bad. Yeah, twelve. Somewhere between twelve and thirteen. So, yeah. um, she's, she's 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 recovered from lymphoma. Oh wow! 
at a young age, wow. which, is, which is a, a remarkable story. Indeed, in itself. And she said she watched a lot of MasterChef Australia while recovering, which further ignited her love for food. So that's a, that's a nice thing. Yep. She, um, she loves to eat Japanese, Vietnamese and Italian. Now, when I was 13 growing up, neither Japanese, Vietnamese, they, not, they didn't exist. No. An Italian was Leo's Spaghetti Bar yeah. in Fitzroy Street. Yeah. Or spaghetti pop- and meatballs. Or Popper's Pizza Parlour on the corner parlor. of North Road and Nepean Highway. So good on her. She enjoys painting, dancing and netball, which probably like most girls her age, that's fine. Yep. She's a dessert cook, uh, taught by her mum and grandma. What do you want to be when you grow up? It's 13. So there's a child that's already overcome a bit yep. and is a fairly good cook. She either wants to be a zoologist, a biologist, or she wants to own a dessert bar or restaurant. Oh, she does. Pretty much anything to do with animals or food. <laughs> Just don't mix the two, Vienna, yeah. and you'll be fine. Gee, but, um, so there's some lovely little backstories on some of these children, which segues nicely into Scotty's Great Things Kids Have Done. Yes. Well, in fact, uh, this, is a, or this is about um, 14 things, and I, I won't labour through them uh, too heavily. But Just give me the it, highlights. Uh, uh, so it's the 14 coolest things invented by kids. Oh, remarkable. Right? So you can hang on to your hat. You, you're going to be astounded by some of this. So um, let's kick off. Uh, if you love to bounce, you can thank George Nissen. At age 16, he invented the trampoline. After watching, after watching trapeze artists drop safely, uh, drop into the nets, uh, safety nets beneath them, he thought it would be cooler if they could bounce out of the net instead. The trampoline turns 90, year old, 90 years old this year and was invented in 1930. Did you have a trampoline when you were growing up? No. No, I didn't. No. They're everywhere in front yards. I had, um, had an above-ground swimming pool. Did you? Yeah. A, a Clark's? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I so. A Clark's. Yeah, yeah, no, Dad, you know, he, he got... I the, had a mate who had an, he, one of the first to have an on-ground trampoline, you know, where they oh, dug the pit yeah, out. Oh, dug the pit. And you'd bounce on it on, on yeah, ground level. Yeah, That was great fun, because you'd take a running jump, do a big bounce, and we used to go flying over the fence. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> but, you know... It wasn't the weirdest uh, sensation when you bounced on the trampoline and you bounced off the trampoline onto the grass oh, yeah. and you just... <laughs> or, was, or you got a double bounce. Or, or the double... Oh, no, yeah, double bounce. That was a bounce. classic manoeuvre. Um, so the trampoline, yeah, uh, 90 years old. Uh, what about Macon Bacon? Uh, a lack of paper towels helped inspire Abby Fleck to create a new way to make crispy bacon fast. When her family didn't have paper towels to soak up the excess grief in the microwave, um, cooked bacon one Saturday morning in 1993, the eight-year-old decided to figure out a better way to cook the bacon. After a little trial and error, she came up with the Macon Bacon, a microwave-safe stand that allows you to drape bacon over it as you cook. The bacon is able to crisp up while the bacon fat pours into a bowl underneath it. Making no, bacon. Making bacon in 1993. How old was she? She was... It uh, doesn't say her age, actually. Um, no, t- uh, 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 her brilliant idea uh, helped make her a millionaire as a teenager. Good on her. <laughs> that would right. have been on the late night. Uh, television oh, shows to buy, what? wouldn't it? What about Along it? with the steak night. Yeah, I would think so. Be on Demtel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you phone in the next five minutes, you can get two sets. But wait, there's more. <laughs> what about in 1877, a 15-year-old Chester Greenwood was tired of having cold ears when he went ice skating. So he built a wireframe and had his grandmother help sew pieces of beaver skin to it to keep his ears warm. Nice beaver. The na- <laughs> that was uh, beaver skin. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the muffs were a hit, especially with soldiers. She created Mia Muffs in 1877 oh, at age well, 15. Actually, that's remarkable. It took that long for people so, to go, hey, my ears are cold. Now, Why don't I whack something on them? Yeah, here's one for you. Before 1824, when 15-year-old Louis Braille, Louis Braille invented the raised series of dots that make up the Braille alphabet, yes. visually impaired people read by feeling their way over the raised letters uh, a slow and laborious process. After he was blinded by an eye injury at age three, Braille translated a type of communication used by the French military into an alphabet that could be easily read by the blind. At age Fifteen. In he 18- invented Braille. He invented Braille. Uh, I told you last week, didn't I, that uh, in Japan yep. they put Braille on beer cans. Yeah, that's right. So that um, blind people know the difference between soft drink and beer. Fair chance they'd know if they drink it, but anyway. Well, <laughs> Getting it off the shelf, I understand that. You've yeah. got to pick the right one off the shelf. Because if you don't have the Braille, you, you get blind. <laughs> you get the <laughs> What about this? Christmas lights used to be a big fire hazard back in the day when lit candles adorned the trees. Especially if you're Chevy Chase. Yes. <laughs> How funny is that, Phil? My goodness me. Uh, but in 1917, a 15-year-old, Albert Sadaka, helped put an end to that by inventing less expensive strings of light bulbs to add pizzazz to the holiday without the potential for burning the house down. So a 15-year-old invented coloured lights for Is Christmas Is any trees. relation to Neil Sadaka? Oh, a fair chance. Don't you reckon Sadaka's not the most common name in the world, no, I wouldn't have thought? wouldn't have thought so. Hey, how about this little snoozer? Uh, one of the very youngest inventors was Robert Patch. He was six years old. Yeah. In 1963, uh, he was granted the patent for the toy truck yeah when he was just six years old wow. he built his prototype out of bottle caps and cardboard and his invention was meant to be taken apart and refashioned into different types of trucks like a very early transformer good on him how much was he ahead so of he would have been a whiz time? with no, lego can you imagine him imagine him with the lego or the mechanic granted a painting for the toy truck how many toy trucks would have been sold he'd be, be a squinty there this bloke Robert Patch. We're going to go find out what he's doing. Patchy. Patchy! Uh, What about Superman? The Man of Steel was first imagined by a pair of 17-year-olds, Jerry Seigel and Joe Schuster, in 1933 and made his first appearance in comics in 1938. Some comic book historians believe the origin of the idea came from the death of Seigel's father, Mitchell, in an armed robbery at his store. So there you go. And then uh, what about this little 11-year-old? She's a clever little girl. Um, Popsicles were created by mistake. Popsicles. Popsicles. 11-year-old Frank Epperson accidentally left a cup filled with soda powder, water, and a stirring stick on his porch overnight where it froze. 
Ah. And the delicious dessert was born nearly 20 years after his accidental discovery in 1905. He started selling his sweet treats. Now we eat more than two billion every year. Oh, popsicles. Popsicles are one of the items whose brand has become synonymous with the, with the thing itself. We call all frozen fruit pops popsicles, even though Popsicle is a specific brand. Not bad for an 11-year-old. Good on that. Now, here's a beauty, and I didn't ever know this existed, um, and it's only six years old. Uh, the, the concept, not the person. Um, Alicia Chavez was upset about the stories of children who died when they were accidentally left in hot cars, and she wanted to do something to prevent it. In 2014, at aged 14, she came up with the idea of the hot seat, a small cushion with a sensor pad that's placed in the car seat and connects to the parent's smartphone. If the cushion senses that the smartphone has moved more than 20 feet from the car with the baby still in the seat, it sounds an alarm. How good is that? That's good. Huh? I'll yeah. come back after the break Righto. and tell you another There's story There's just about another it. couple to go, but uh, let's... No, we'll do them after the break. Yep, beautiful. Nothing good ever happens in my life. I'm just angry and bored all the time. I don't know who I am anymore, or what makes me happy. My friend said I should talk to someone and get some help. Mum took me to the doctor and he said I had depression. The psychologist helped me deal with anxiety and stuff. You can help someone find a way back from anxiety and depression at youthbeyondblue.com or phone 1300 4636. Hey, you ready to go for a run? Make sure you keep up. Speaking of keeping up, did you get around to registering to be an organ and tissue donor, like we talked about? Because it's young guys like us who are lagging behind the rest of Australia when it comes to registering to be donors. It's time we pulled our weight, I reckon, because one day it might be you, me, or one of our family who needs a transplant. That's a pretty good reason to say yes to donation. And it only takes a minute at donatelife.gov.au. This project is sponsored by the Organ and Tissue Authority. From Paran to Parkdale, you're listening to Southern FM. Before the break, Scotty, you were talking about one of those little inventions and you had the kid who was in the hot car. Yeah, I was, do, I was doing my research through the week on electric cars. Uh, yeah, I, won't, you go? I won't mention the name or the model, but yep. it's one of the more famous ones. Yep. And they've got a system in the new model that's coming out that I'm very interested in. Yes. That um, automatically, if it senses that there's someone in the car, it circulates because it's a battery, not a engine. Yes. It, it keeps the temperature ambient. At a certain temperature, right, and if if and it sends an alarm to a, an iPhone of your choice. Yep. Um, plus, it has a system where if someone approaches the car to see if that person's all right, they put up a message on the big monitor on the um, thing to say this car is climate controlled. Don't worry about needing to break in to rescue the baby or whatever. Right. That's how clever they are these days. Wow. I mean, I've caught up, almost caught up to your your knowledge on these things. I've been looking at them it's quite, quite slowly. But it's know. it's fascinating, isn't it's it? Fascinating really what they can do when you yep. when you when you go. Okay, well, it's not a conventional engine anymore. It's just a battery. Yeah, correct. And it can power things that yep. you know. If your, your phone's your car key. Yep. You know, it's yep. just yeah, absolutely it's, it's remarkable. Nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. Anyway, uh, very good. Anyway, you got a couple more. Um, Throw a couple more at me. Y- yes. Well, in fact, I have. Um, How about uh, one of the pioneers who helped us bring the life-changing technology uh, was just 15 years old when he first dreamed it up. 
Philo Farnsworth. How's that for a name? Philo Farnsworth. Philo. Or Philo, it's PH. Created diagrams for an electric television system in 1921, and it transmitted its first image six years later. He was 15 years old. Wow. So that's early television. Uh, Then you've got Ralph Samuelson, who wanted to combine his passion for snow skiing with his love of the water and aquaplaning. In 1922, he's 18 years of age, he built his first water skis from strips of wood by softening the ends and bending them up. Water skis? Water skis, right? Uh, I would have thought they might have been around before that. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, 1922. And then um, if you're... um, if you're big into your locker decor, as in the lockers at kids' schools, you can think, uh, thank inventor Sarah Buckle for dreaming up this easy way to dress up your school storage back in 2006. So this is only 14 years old, this one as well. As a 14-year-old, Sarah Buckle was tired of having to scrape her locker door clean of the decoration. You know, the stickers they used to put on, you have to strip them all off. Yes, right? I do recall So doing all that. And a lot of the graffiti that yeah, also co- went on. Correct. So she came up with the idea of easy-to-swap magnet locker wallpaper. Oh, clever girl. Now... It didn't hurt that her dad was the chief operating officer of MagnaCard, which yeah. mag- <laughs> manufactured magnets. Well, um, she's got it. She's got her old man the contract at the school. So there's that. And then uh, I think this is almost the uh, no, no, not the second last one. Um, Joseph Armand Bombardier. Now, some of these names are just, they're meant to be inventors, aren't they? (laughs) Joseph Bombardier, 15, strapped a car engine to four ski runners and a propeller to create the very first of these fun wintertime vehicles back in 1922. Oh, a skidoo, I'm not going to skidoo, yeah. A snowmobile. snowmobile. He tinkered with it for years before realising the ultra-popular skidoo. I want to get a hold of him. He might so, be able to um, build me a hovercraft. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get you a hovercraft. Uh, and then noted inventor and founding father, Benjamin Franklin. Oh, yes. Was the great just, man. The great man. So he, he gets a mention. He's he, done a few. He was just 11 years old when he fashioned fins to make swimming easier. However, unlike today's rubbery fins on your feet, his 1717, this is when he did it, 1717 invention was hard paddles that were attached to your hands. Impress your friends with this bit of trivia next time you go snorkeling. Oh, so he, you, inv- he invented those. So um, he I've, invented a few things so there, out of the journey. I, that's basically my list, I think, uh, old mate. But uh, well, there you go. Uh, it sort of make me feel like my teenage years were a woeful underachievement. Well, I mean, you know, we we haven't invented anything, have we? So um, <laughs> wouldn't it wouldn't it be great if just somehow you you plundered across? Oh, I always something. remember that uh, my it's my head for useless trivia. Did you ever remember a band called The Monkeys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, so one of the members of The Monkeys was a guy called Michael Nesmith, yep. who went on to have a song called um, I Go Down to Rio, yep. which was a particularly turgid ditty. Yes. But he was the heir, sole heir, yeah. to the family fortune of Tipex. Oh, stop it. Which was the white the correcting white, yeah, fluid that yeah. you would use when you mistyped on a typewriter. That's it. Yep. So he would have been very wealthy for a number of years yep. until the computer came along. Yeah. Good night, nurse. <laughs> when was the last time you used Tipex? How do you reckon Mr. Kodak? Or liquid paper, as it's Mr. often called. How do you reckon Mr. Kodak's tracking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he had a couple of good years, Mike. 
Oh. He might be back in the studio now. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's another one for us to do our R&D on. Yes. We go and find things where at the peak of what they were, because there was nothing else available. Yeah, polypolaroids. what have they been replaced with now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I'm Australia Post... Uh, seem to have done some sort of a remarkable job, given that we don't write letters and we don't, we just don't post it. Well, it's all parcel delivery, Scotty. So yeah, they've sort of really reinvented themselves, mm. though, haven't they? And I suppose um, COVID probably hasn't hurt them too much. I wouldn't, no, have, I wouldn't thought. have thought so. Now here's one for you. Can I just share this with you? Because you know we've we've talked about you know, things that didn't happen before, but happen now, and they should probably stay because they're a pretty good idea. Right. I, was, I, I literally, I uh, on Friday, I was uh, just sitting at my desk working, and um, I, I'm I'm heading into the office next week. I've got a, a, a day oh, in the office physically. Physically going to go. Oh, that'll be a treat. That's an outing, Scotty. So, yes, it will be an outing. Um, I saw my first client last week, the first one I've seen for five months. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was thinking. How did you go handshaking and. Uh, well, no, there was, you know, a bit, bump of, a, bit bump, of elbow. Elbow bumping. <laughs> masks on and fogging up. I yeah. mean, it was just a disaster, yeah, to be honest. Um, uh, but I was just I was sitting there thinking, right, I'm going to go in the office next week, and uh, I thought oh, I probably need uh, I probably need a couple of pairs of new pants, right? I just and I just thought I just need some chinos, you know, just something pretty casual. Anyway, um, jumped online, uh, went onto the website of a major retailer just sort of down the road. So this is about one thirty. I've done this, um, and then uh, three thirty. I get notification. Your items are ready for collection. <laughs> Click and collect. So I've found what I want, bought two pairs of pants, a pair of socks, and uh, within three hours, I've not only found it, purchased it, picked it up, and then back at home. Oh, I've got a better one for you. It was magnificent. You just get it delivered and cut out the middleman. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes that's where they're sticking you, though, because yeah. like the order was, you know, it was. Oh, delivery charges. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I went. To, I was going to buy some soil the other day. I'm going to do some top dressing at home. Good on you. And um, Don Burke will start so, calling you. Yeah. So I was going to buy uh, some bags of topsoil, and they're not expensive. They're only about six bucks a bag, right? Yeah. So you I have to bit, click and collect those because the hardware yeah, shops but aren't I, open. Well, you do. You can do click and collect. Mm. But I thought, you know what? It's soil, so it's a bit heavy. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll just get it delivered. Anyway, it was going to cost me 36 bucks for the soil and 20 bucks for delivery. Yeah. So I went, no, no I'm going to be doing click and collect. I'm going to get it myself. But but I just thought that whole thing of um, go online, find what you want, you know your size, it'll be right, and go there, bag handed to you, back home. It was just a breeze. Yeah, I had that chat, I had that oh, chat Friday with a few people and... Uh, loved it. People are buying a lot of clothes. Online, yep, yep. all that sort of stuff. Yep. I'm buying a fair bit of wine. Um, yeah, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Is that click and collect or home delivery? That's, that's <laughs> home delivery and pour it down. <laughs> um, you mentioned Australian Post and the lack of yes. um, physical letters being written. Yes. So um, I found this lovely article through the week. This is, uh, this is has a, I, like, I like nice stories. Yep. Because there's enough sad stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is a story about a program that is designed to connect older citizens with our younger citizens yeah, like through, through the concept of pen pals. Good. So this is the pen pal is a concept, obviously, where you use a pen 
and you write on a piece of paper, and you it's a physical thing, and then you put it in an envelope and send it. Yes. Right? Yep. So some just for those young listeners that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, it's called a letter. Um, now, <laughs> And you use a pen. And you use a pen. It's a pen. It's a, it's a writing implement. <laughs> so this is a lovely story about an older gentleman who's 96. Yep. He's Polish. He survived the um, the World War II um, in Dachau. Yes. Um, um, member of the French Resistance. Father and brother killed at the camp. All those horrible stories from, from wartime. Yep. And I've just read a, a, a book about all this, Tattooist of Auschwitz, which is grim. Right. Um, but he came to Australia, obviously emigrated, and uh, he's now on his own, um, and he's a remarkable man. Uh, he's got his community, um, yep. in Polish community, but he's been trading letters with uh, local children with the same heritage. So these are, yep. these are children that are part of a, a Strzelecki school, yes. so it's a specific school. So what's happening here is uh, the, the children are between 7 and 14, and they're learning to write letters yep. because... Children, if you've noticed, don't know how to write a letter. In in fact, they don't know how to address an envelope. Yeah, yeah right. Huh? Yep. I don't know if you noticed this. No. They don't teach this at school anymore. Oh, I wouldn't have thought I'm so. sounding like an old person. <laughs> but people don't even know which where, which corner to put the stamp, Scotty. Yeah, Unless there's a diagram called a fixed stamp here. Yeah. <laughs> so what's what's great is he's writing letters, so he's he's keeping his mind active. He um he said, he said, there's one way of keeping me mentally healthy. He said, people don't prepare themselves for old age, and it's essential they become interested in something. So he paints as well as writes, and he composes music. 96, he's doing bloody well. Oh, wow. Um, and he says, what I, what I do is I answer their questions. Um, so the young kids learn how to write a letter, how to address it, and how to put a stamp on it. And they get correspondence back and forward. So they oh, ask questions. Brilliant. And he answers them and they ask about his time and he tells them. So they're actually getting a letter. And their parents or the kids are thinking, this is great because they, what's this concept that they arrives in the mail? Because yeah. they only see their mums and dads getting in. It's normally bills. Yeah, that's They're right. never happy to get yeah. anything via mail. So I think it's a lovely little story. It's so great story. It's an intergenerational letter exchange program, which I think is... A great, great idea because my father's in his nineties now, and yep. he's not not that well. But he, you know, this would be something that, you know, if he was with it, he, he could get into that. Yep. But I, I really like that. So, uh, lovely little story. Good on the people involved for for getting that going. But it's a, a salient lesson of we've lost the art of a few things with our current children. Um, they don't know how to write a letter. Uh, I tried. I I write. Still, I find after a couple of pages, I get cramp. Yep. So I, I beggars I, belief how I did my HSC exam, which is three hours of writing, and now I can write for four minutes and get cramp. Yeah, but but it's I know all these muscles you don't use, but I, you but you get you get repetitive strain injury from the mouse <laughs> on your wrist. Yeah, well you do. So, but I, but I'm the same. I, I I look back over my writing, and it's appalling. Oh, it's appalling. It's appalling. I, I was with my mother the other day, who has. Beautifully yep. elegant writing, yep. and she's writing. It's a bit shaky these days, but she writes beautifully. Yep. And I go, I write like like write I've had fifteen beers. Yeah, I write like a three year old. You know, it's absolutely. I look at it and go, seriously, is that what my writing is has that, become? Is that, I'm an educated fellow. 
I used to be doing all this stuff. Is that the best I've got? Yeah, that's what I mean. But it, it but it's almost embarrassing. Oh yeah, you know, so I write, write myself a shopping list. I just can't show anybody. Make it to the shops. You go. <laughs> what's, what's that? What's that? That's was my it, writing. Was it written by my doctor? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they only write stuff that no one can read. I, I, defy, I, I defy anyone our age to actually write even a letter. Yep. Without going, oh God, man. Yeah. Bloody fingers yeah, are cramping up. My, my, or my middle finger hurts because I'm, I'm not holding my I'm pen getting, right I'm getting anymore. a pressure point pain. <laughs> it's very staggering. true. It is quite staggering. No, anyway. I totally agree with you. Anyway, so I, that, I, I thought that was lovely. It's apropos of nothing. That's good. Um, then then this came across my desk. Yes. So I've, I've found out who Siri is. Oh, you were telling me about this. So, so Siri is an actual lady. Yes. Which... You know, you probably it's not a computer program or an algorithm, right? Her name's Karen Jacobson, right? And there's a picture of her in the paper if you want to know what Siri's like. All right, but I, I don't have a look at it because I know a lot of people abuse Siri, and she might take offence. <laughs> <laughs> so she's been the uh, the Australian she's been the Australian voice of Apple's virtual assistant for some years. Wow. Um, now what she's and she's gone back to she was in the US, um, and now she's come back to Australia. Yep. And she's been hired by the Wonders of the Wit Sundays campaign. So she's been hired by Tourism Wit Sundays to be their voice of their sort of new tourist campaign that they're running as people are coming out of lockdown and can't travel overseas, so might therefore go up to Queensland one day when the borders are open. Um, and uh, so she's lent her voice to reignite the industry. Um, and it's a, apparently a fun way of getting the Whitsunday's message across. So I'm not, I haven't heard it, but I think there's a certain irony in having Siri um, do an advertising campaign about Queensland. And it concerns me that people might get to Queensland but then get lost because they follow the advice of Siri. Do you think, uh, so two questions. Uh, first of all, do you think she's doing it in the same tonality that she does Siri in? And B, have they purposely chosen her because of the synergy between people wanting to find something and Siri being that voice now? Is there... Am I, they, am they, I they, looking at this too hard? No, no, no. You're, no you're spot on, mate. There's a lot of science that goes into mm, this marketing stuff. They believe that she is a very recognisable and trusted voice. There you go. So there oh. had to be something about the value of her brand. People are used to people who yep. do use Siri, and I yep. don't. Yep. Uh, she interrupts a lot of my conversations because <laughs> I've got fat fingers, and I inadvertently hit the button on the phone. Yep. Uh, so I find her quite annoying. <laughs> well, but um, they're because they're used to it. I think it's 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 con- continuity usage. People ask her something, get an answer or not. Yep. But um, recognisable, certainly, and trusted. Apparently, right? A trusted brand. So smart by the marketing yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, there's a whole lot of uh, gags you could run, um, and I hope oh. that the advertising campaign contains an element of humour. Yes. Because the way people use Siri varies across the ages. Yes, it does. Yes, um, she gets asked. My some, kids. Uh, very my kids. For, for shits and giggles, we'll just ask Siri ridiculous questions. <laughs> now, I, 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 uh, uh, can I share this? It's like, Siri, why did Ben Long get one week for that? I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I don't know, understand the value of you. you know. I like that. That's all that stuff. You could, you could actually play a, a bit of a trivia game oh. all based around Siri, couldn't Siri, you? Siri, yeah. Yeah. 
And and what you got to do is guess Siri's answer. Oh. How good would that be, right? So you got to write it oh, down, and then be, you play. It's called Ask Siri. Ask ah, Siri. Hang on. Oh, you've invented. Oh, write that down. Put a patent on that. It's Wait, not too the... late for you, Scotty. Now, can I tell you're you? not a teenager, I... but you're still me. I might invent something. I, I know we've got to go to a break, yeah. but do you know who I've got in my car? Who? I've got Judy Dench. Have you? Yeah. So in my car, when I go and make a phone call, Judy, this must be what Judy did before she became famous. Ah. She comes on and says, would you like me to save that number? And if Can you choose your own Siri I don't, voice? Well, that's it's not Siri. It's oh, actually in my, it's a it's, voice it's, assistant it's, it's technology. In the car. But if it, oh, I've got to play it for you. You got to come and sit in oh, my car. I'll do side. that after the um, show. If it, if that's not the identical voice to Judy Dench, I nearly fell out of the car the first time I heard I like it. Like the idea though of being hey. able to choose your own voice. Oh, you can do that. I think with oh, I think you can. God. I think there's a way you can do that. Really? Um, well, I know that there's a male and female version of Siri. Ah. Uh, tell you who I wouldn't choose. Oh, what's the other one we used to Tell you who I wouldn't choose. Who's that? Frank from National Tiles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Jerry Harvey. <laughs> Speaking of ads, oh. we've got to take a couple. We'll be back over to the break. Very good. When your future feels uncertain, it's time to ask for help. Bendigo Bank has been helping our customers through tough times for over 160 years. If you're a Bendigo Bank customer, talk to us about ways we can help you through this one. We have financial assistance packages available, so don't wait. Visit our website or contact your local Bendigo Bank branch. Together, we'll see you through to better times. Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. Southern FM sponsor. I feel like absolute crap. I hate myself. I hate my hair, my face. I have no personality. Nothing makes me happy anymore. I had no idea my daughter had depression until I took her to a GP. I just thought she was being a typical teenager. The doctor helped me deal with it, helped make sense of things. Help someone find a way back from depression and anxiety. Find out where to get help at youthbeyondblue.com or call 1300 224636. Hey, g'day. You got a minute to talk about organ and tissue donation? Before the game starts. Me? Well, I've registered to be a donor. It was really quick to do. It's great to know that there's more Australians like me saying yes to organ donation than ever before. Because there's always someone who'll need a transplant. One day it could be you, or me, or one of our family members. So why not say yes to donation and register today at donatelife.gov.au. This project is sponsored by the Organ and Tissue Authority. From Mordialic to Malvern, you're listening to Southern FM.
And it goes on, it goes on for another four minutes. <laughs> Does it? Oh, it's, oh, it's it goes absolutely. on. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that song. Stone Roses. I am the resurrection. Right. And it's a great track. And Rutsy loves the Stone Roses. Right. So it's not every chance you get to hear the Stone Roses. No, but, fair enough. Um, no. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it goes on to a lovely bass riff there and moves back into that great drum groove. <laughs> Gee, I get excited on this show when it's, I play songs uh, I love. I was going to say, that's just another one right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, isn't it, right in the wheelhouse, that one, buddy. Hey, um, I'm conscious that we, uh, we we get exuberant at the start of the show and talk about all the things we're going to talk oh, about, yes, and, and we just, just don't get to Let's them. just tick them off. So uh, we've still got a couple of go. Tick and, them off. Um, can I, and I'll, I'll have to praise you this really quite short. I, I just want to talk about uh, George Pell. Oh, you, you, you uh, okay. right? Carefully, careful. Um, so we know that uh, he's um, he's out, and uh, yep. he's actually gone back to the Vatican. I saw him having coffee. Right. So um, he's obviously he's obviously got a work permit, a work. Uh, and he has been <laughs> uh, summoned back out, outside to, of his five k's. Yeah, aren't? that's right. So yeah. he's been summoned back to the Vatican uh, because he needs to address some financial issues. Of course, he does. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm just going to read you this piece and then I'll praise you the rest. But right. um, it says, uh, despair, intrigue amid Pell plot. Um, at the mention of George Pell, the old man became enraged. The Italian Monsignor had been sitting quietly beneath the Baroque arches of a 17th century dining room. The Baroque arches of the, the 17th, arches, 17th century, century, century dining century room. Dining room uh, waiting for his guest to arrive for Sunday lunch. I'd love a, to sit beneath the Baroque arch and have oh, lunch. Oh, it's just nothing finer. Uh, when a visiting Australian priest made the mistake of name-dropping the Cardinal. Pell? What is he doing here? Pell? The... Yeah, yeah, Pell, Pell. Uh, the normally affable Monsignor shouted, he is imposing your ways on our ways. We have our ways of doing things. Peter J. Elliott, an auxiliary bishop from Melbourne who previously worked for 10 years inside the Vatican, says he retreated to his own table without saying a word in response. He went back to his own Baroque mm, arches. He went and found another Baroque arch. I sat down and thought, oh, George, you are in trouble. This is in 2015. Oh, dear. Uh, such was the venom in the Monsignor's comments. Bishop Elliott made a note of them in his diary. July 5th, 2015, he has since become convinced that Pell's enemies within the Vatican, possibly with the help of the Mafia... Oh, yes! Yeah, oh, we've got the Mafia, yeah. Good. ...were the hidden hands in his prosecution and jailing for historic child sex offences. The hidden hands. It's, so a, it's an unfortunate then, turn of phrase. I know. So then when you go through and read, um, so it's now alleged that uh, $1.2 million of Vatican funds were transferred to Australia to influence witness testimony. No, it wouldn't surprise right? me. Right? Nothing so, surprises me. Um, the, the the bottom line is uh, this particular um, Monsignor, who is um, uh, a Bucci. Uh, Butch. Is it Bucci? No, uh, Bucci. Yeah, Butch. Uh, uh, anyway, the, he has been in charge of the finances since Pell uh, sort of fell foul. He's the money bag man, um, is he? But there's hundreds it's of like thousands. the bookie's assistant. If not the bag man. Yeah, he, well, he is, and I think he might have bagged a bit for himself. Um, so it looks as though there's lots of questions about where funds have gone. Um, 
and uh, Pell's gone back to find out, and they just said, keep digging because we think you will find. And now those that... Um, allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly mm-hmm. uh, they said, just keep digging, and you possibly may find what you're looking for. Um, because there were many, many, many um, well-versed um, commentators that just said, uh, just watch this space. This is just all an absolute load of bollocks. Um, Pell hasn't done any of these things. Um, and, uh, I mean, one of the one of the people that was due to testify um, couldn't because he passed away already. Um, and the others uh, are now coming under, allegedly coming under severe question about the um, accuracy and legitimacy of uh, some of their statements. I'm not going anywhere so, near that. Uh, it's alleged all sorts of weird <laughs> things, but um, it just it appears to some uh, they uh, it appears to some that there may be just another very big backstory um, that could be well and truly all part of uh, George, George Pell's uh, recent years of trouble. Mm, very good. allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Anyway, we just had one off the SMS. Uh, yeah, have you? We've got a text. Wow, have we? Well, apropos of my favourite Australian TV moments. Ah, uh, yes. On IMT when Graham Kennedy's dog Rover peed on the camera pedestal. Ah, yes. Yes, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, very good. I'm old enough to remember that. that that's now, very good. Now, the other one you have to get out of the way is Bill the Bastard. Oh, Bill the Bastard. You've got to get that one. Right, right. well, let's, uh, let's uh, just shoot our Which way is, We're that. getting very efficient on this right. show. We're getting things uh, done. Right, so while he was notoriously... Uh, um, cantankerous, virtually unrideable, and often violent, <laughs> Bill the Bastard was was every inch a genuine war hero. Widely regarded as Australia's greatest war horse, Bill is remembered most for the outstanding act of bravery that saved the lives of four Australian troopers during World War One. Bill is the subject of the second ep- episode uh, in this little miniseries. Um, author Roland Perry told us last week the tale of World War II's uh, red lead that we yes. uh, covered just before. Yes. Um, so, Perry says, Bill was a wild horse before he was rounded up and called into service at an army recruitment camp near Sydney. Doing the research, I felt it was a bit sadistic from the, uh, f- f- from the officers. No one could actually sit on him for more than about 30 seconds. So he's like a fucking so bronze. So, so they used to use him for the usually, for the, uh, use him, uh, for the city slickers who would come in wanting to join the cavalry, young men, kids really, from the age of 13. Uh, so the officers would put them on Bill and he would really break bones. So it sorted them out in a way. A big horse at 17.1 hands and 740 wow. kilos. That's big, I think, for a yeah, horse. Yeah, that's big. Um, Bill was uh, one of up to 200,000 horses sent to the Middle East in the Great War. He was amazing because he wouldn't mind a pack on his back. 400 kilograms he could carry, which was massive. But he was uh, really upset if humans sat on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bill refused to let anyone ride him until he was charmed into submission by a Queenslander, uh, Major Michael Shanahan, a horse whisperer before his time. Oh, I love the stories uh, yeah, of horse they, they, whisperers. They, they love the whisperers. Um, Major Shanahan persuaded famed poet Banjo Patterson, who had 800 riders and horses under his command during, world, during the war, to let him take Bill into battle. 
Um, the major and his horse forged a remarkable bond, and Bill's uncanny instincts saved the lives of many servicemen. In August 1916, Major Shanahan rode Bill in the three-day Battle of Romani against the Turks. In one incredible act, the pair rescued four Tasmanian soldiers stranded under gunfire after their horses were killed. Michael Shanahan rode out on Bill and got the four men up onto the horse. They trotted off, and all of them had uh, all of them had weapons, and they were firing at those pursuing them. So Bill, that's the Bill the bastard. He doesn't like anybody on his back, but he uh, when the chips were down, he pulled four blokes plus his rider. Yeah. Uh, so five blokes on his back, and, and what are the blokes going to weigh? About seventy kegs, seventy kegs each, because they're pr- going to be pretty thin in the army. Uh, back in the World War Two, they're probably going to weigh maybe sixty kilos. But anyway, that's still three hundred kegs on the back. Good of, on uh, him, Bill the bastard. A lot better than some of the horses I backed yesterday <laughs> that, were, <laughs> that were carrying five riders. I was calling them bastards. <laughs> I had a couple of winners yesterday. Oh, good. We, well, next done. week we've got to have a bit of a chat about because it's coming up to the really uh, important part of the spring racing yeah. car. Yeah, we're coming We've got up the Cox Plate and well, Caulfield I mean, Cup. Yeah, we had the uh, Guineas and the Thousand. Guineas was not so good. I won on the Guineas, but uh, it was a pretty poor race. In fact, one of the favourites pulled up lame. Oh, did it? Mm. Is it still with us? Like, yeah, no, it's, it would yeah. be right, but like half the other horses I backed. Um, we've only got time for a couple of things, um, yep. but I want, I, want, I want to hear about the Greyhound, because we've got to talk about... Two smoking oh, guns, yeah. the Greyhound. We're, we're, do you want to do that now? We do that now, but I just dug this up. Well, yeah, I think we, we can sneak this in. Um, this is something that, apropos of our John Clark, yes, uh, this is another great sport that he introduced to the nation. Australian farnaclers were literally on top of the world last night following their epoch-making victory against the formidable East German farnacling machine. A closely contested final at the People's Farnacling Centre in light drizzle and heavy security in Moscow. The ruthlessly professional East Germans began strongly and had the Australians reeling from a series of quite obvious and very brutal personal fouls. But just after the leader Kranz, it became obvious that the continually impressive Dave Sorensen had weathered the bone-crushing first warble and was prepared to take the fixture right up to the East Germans after the umlaut. The turning point came in the third warble when the oleaginous Sorensen arkled from well behind his own goal line despite being held by both opposing fullbacks and a small ice-flattening machine he'd inadvertently backed into during a lapse in concentration. Unfortunately, only moments later, he struck an overhead light with a wet knee and short-circuited his trousers. <laughs> <laughs> the fun arc, oh, world fun arcling seriously, champions. How do you even start to put pen to paper? How do you unpack him? Words? He is a hey, genius. He he is a genius. A... Anyway, we're not talking about fun arc, we're talking about greyhound yeah, racing, so, which so... is about as ridiculous a concept. Oh, but, um, well, exactly. And, so talk, uh, talk, us, talk us about two smoking guns, the lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we decided that we were going to go down this path... Yes, this, I'm still on the page. This, this will be our journey. Right. Uh, we're going to pay uh, in, uh, around two and a half thousand dollars for a pup yeah good okay it's about what you pay for a labrador and, these yeah, days yeah. that's fine so um and then between uh, three and 14 months of age mm-hmm. uh that that's during its rearing mm-hmm. uh which will run for about 48 Do weeks you have to feed them something special to make them run fast yeah they're called cocktails oh, okay. um uh, so the rearing is going to cost you about 60 bucks a week yep and then between the months of 14 and 16 um we're going to break them in yeah, so right. yeah, so I don't, I don't know how you break a greyhound. We get a, we get a dog. I mean, no one's going to sit on its back. Or they're going to put a monkey on it, are we? <laughs> going to get it to ride. So anyway, that goes for four to six weeks at about a hundred to one hundred and twenty bucks a week. Month sixteen to seventeen, 
It's going for a spill. Oh, That's it's even, having a rest. Before it's even <laughs> it run. run yet. <laughs> so the spell's going to be about eight weeks. Poor little pet. Oh, 60 a bucks a week, so nearly 500. I wouldn't mind a spell occasionally. 500 shekels just for it to have a lie down. <laughs> and then uh, between the 18th and 20th months, that'll be pre-training. So uh, that's $100 a week by about 12 weeks. So you've coughed out uh, about seven grand. Before you know whether it can run. Oh, well, um, that's then, all ahead of us, Scotty. And then, just very quickly, uh, what happens then going forward? Normally, the trainer goes 50-50 with you. So yeah. he takes, he, he looks after it, pays all the expenses out of the prize money. Yeah, good. Um, but then if you want to buy one that's uh, what's known as a racing dog with city class, <laughs> it'll cost you between 10 and 20 grand. Oh, dear, <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, we might have to press pause on yeah, that idea yeah, just until we, just, we yeah, recalibrate. We, we might go to pigeon racing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. oh, all right, are we almost done? Yeah, we've got to. We've got to get away. Time gets away. It from does us get away show. from us. I, I this last have... half an hour, it always catches up. Lots on of stuff to talk about, but we'll have to park it for next year. All so right, we'll be back next week, Look. Um, as we always are, because it's Groundhog Day every week on the Two Smoking Gun. <laughs> Good on you. We're going to go and uh, go away to the AMRAP. Uh, program which showcases great new Australian music. So uh, have a good week, mate. Have a good week, mate, and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>